it's shiny, it's awesome, it's cool, it's a piece it's of hardware that I can give my baby boy. Because I didn't eat anything. You know, absolutely. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. 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 And welcome back to Hold On I'm Talking Brother. My name is Joe Greenwood and you are listening to our UFC 274 preview of Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje for the lightweight title in your main event. And Tom Ballum, let me just ask you one simple question. Is this the best fight the UFC can make right now? Good opening question there, Joe. Um, Thank you. Because it take, takes the attention away from the rest of the card, which I think the listeners will appreciate. Mm. This is the best <laughs> fight that they can make at lightweight. Yes. Do you agree with that? Oh, at lightweight. Um, yeah, at lightweight, I think so. I actually think in the whole company, but we will get to that, how good that is in just a moment. Listeners, let me set you set up for you the rules of this uh, podcast, if there are any in this lawless society. Me and Tom are about to make some predictions of the five main card fights for UFC 274. And if we get the fighter who wins the fight uh, correct, we get one point. If we get the method as well, we get two points, ten points available for us. And we are going to go straight in to the meat of it, of the main event of Justin Gaethje versus Charles Oliveira. And... Tom, have you seen any of the narrative that Gaethje's been spinning for this fight this week? Uh, I haven't. I, 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 I'm getting to the point where I worry about Justin Gaethje in 15 years' time. I will, I will say that. Uh, but specifically, <laughs> specifically for this fight, no, no. Clue me in. Well, he's, he's, uh, if you want to see what he's going to be like in 15 years' time, Shogun Hua is fighting on this card, so if you want some, uh, some <laughs> you know, uh, warning signs of CTE, just look at that. Um, Gaethje's been putting this out there, that Charles Oliveira um, has changed and has improved, but once a quitter, always a quitter, is his saying. Um, I think this is just uh, just some childish smack talk isn't it really like I don't think there's really much to see there I mean maybe is this is something that he has to tell himself before going into this fight that he can make Oliveira quit Joe I, I think I think that's just it and you know the last time I saw that I saw that with uh, the last fight that Charles Oliveira was in um, against Dustin Poirier where mm. really uh it kind of emerged as that fight unfolded that Poirier had gone in a few weeks beforehand having nightmares about the hand slipping around the neck, mm. the lights dimming, the crowd, yeah. the crowd cheering but not his name. And, and, and I think I think Justin Gaethje might be having those same nightmares right now. Do you reckon? Do you reckon he's he's that terrified of the ground with, uh, I, I, with Oliveira? Joe, Joe. Joe. Let me, I mean, let me just jump straight in here now. Uh, Justin Gaethje fought in 2020 for the title mm. against Khabib Magomedov. Of course, Khabib's last fight. Uh, Justin had one way to win that fight, and that was to hit Magomedov coming in with the best shot he could. Mm. Uh, now, the great news for Gaethje was he hit him with that shot. He hit him a few times with that shot. The bad news was... Khabib just walked through it and uh, manhandled him down to the ground before yeah, submitting I, him anyway. 
yeah, before taking mercy on him and submitting him, like, think about when, also with Khabib, and me and you love Khabib, but, like, think about Khabib. Some of his best performances have involved just the most hellacious ground and pound, and he did none in that Gaethje fight, because he was just like, I want to get him out of here as quickly as possible, and he just absolutely annihilated him on the ground. I mean, well, of course, he did annihilate him on the ground, that's absolutely right, but the thing that stands out to me from that fight, and I think the thing that will linger also in in Gaethje's mind going to fight another ground specialist now, is that Khabib uh, just just walked through his best shot. Khabib didn't fight his own fight. He wanted to make a Mm. point against Gaethje, and he just walked walked straight through Gaethje's uh, offense. So well, Gaethje's a uh, Gaethje to me is a bit of like um, his myth. I think is a little bit uh, misaligned to the actual truth of Gaethje, which is Gaethje's not a for the most part not a one shot knockout guy. It's an accumulation of damage, and your body just can't take it anymore. And there are some guys that have been able to go through it and you know finish Gaethje. Alvarez, Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier being two of those guys, or those two guys, because they are just next level tough. And that is has become the overriding narrative of this, is, is Charles Oliveira tough enough to go through that fire? And I really don't see what you can cling on to with Oliveira with him quitting, considering that you're talking about fights that happened 14 fights ago. Yeah. Like, this is... I think there's something to the fact that Oliver quit in the past and that he then became the champion that shows that he accepted the fact that he quit. He accepted the fact that he, you know, didn't um, entirely uh, paint himself in glory in those moments. You know, he, he lost uh, those fights through quitting and then has then used that to know what point it is that he quits, and then to fight through that and to come through the other side of um, winning and becoming the champion. That is the thing that has become most impressive to me for Oliveira, is that he has taken that thing of quitting and being a quitter and turned it into an actual strength of him. Because if you remember, do you remember that first round against Michael Chandler, Tom? Uh, Of course I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oliveira was um, was in trouble for a minute there. He he was going to be finished, and it was a point where most guys would quit, and Oliveira in the past would have quit, but he instead turned it round, and that finish of Chandler was superb, that sort of left hook when Chandler was in the pocket, and uh, put him away. Put him away superbly. Um, it was... Um, you know, fantastic, and that showed his strength to come back in that moment. So I feel like Gaethje talking about this quitting narrative, this quitting thing. I I do think that this is just a narrative that he's just built up to hype himself up for this fight. Well, I find that I find it particularly interesting given the interview with um, with his coach, you know, the coach of the year, Trevor Whitman, who has two other winners. In Trevor his, Whitman, yeah, in his yep. in his stable, um, Nami Yunus also will be discussing her later, and of course Usman. And uh, his coach was very much saying that what he saw when he saw uh, Oliveira is someone who can come back from nearly being finished, uh, who is resilient enough, and who then becomes very, very dangerous after that moment. Um, so, you know, mm. I think this would be further evidence to have concern for Justin Gaethje. 
10 to 15 years from now when his coach is saying kind of the opposite to him um mm. let's um let's should we actually talk about the what let's should we talk about the actual nitty-gritty of this fight just quickly i, th- I think of we what should, we're going to be looking for I, th- I definitely think we should get into that there's just one thing i wanted to uh add to what i was saying previously with gaethje's mindset here coming in um and that's mm. that when we were talking about there his his loss, which I think is a is a huge loss for him mentally to to Khabib, as I say, particularly losing mm. in that fashion. Like he he had the best of the fight that he could possibly have dreamed of in any rational person's mind. It's just that yeah, huge leg huge leg kicks landing was landing some big shots as well. He, uh, and, he was, he, and he was yeah. like in the first round, he was backing up. Uh, he was staying away from Khabib reasonably effectively, you know. Uh, yeah, it, I, I, you know the only thing that would be different is that those shots actually put Khabib away. Now there is another man mm. in a not dissimilar mould who fought Khabib, took that kind of mental damage, if you will, and then went on to fight Charles Oliveira, and that's of course Poirier. And I really think, I, yeah, I, I really think that says a lot going into this fight. I, I think that is like baggage that both mm. Poirier and Gaethje. Um, Carry it's the mark of Khabib, and uh, mm. yeah, it's, that's that's really that's quite an interesting point as well. And we'll we'll get into now the nitty gritty of it. We just mentioned briefly about Gaethje's uh, offense about against Khabib, and that will be probably the similar game plan that he has here. But let's talk about Oliveira. What really struck me with his last few fights, and particularly the Ferguson fight and the Poirier fight, was that the wrestling was actually quite good. The takedowns into the submission threat was really impressive. And when he got those guys to the ground, and these are guys who are good on the ground, so they're not, you know, that's not what they're known for necessarily of being brilliant ground fighters. So I know Tony's got a lot of subs, and you know he's got a very funky style of using jujitsu and grappling and wrestling. But Oliveira's top pressure was like suffocating, and it really broke these guys. I mean, Tony, he almost broke Tony's arm. And Tony was literally saved by the fact that it happened so late in the round, like literally seconds remaining, and he just toughed it out. Poirier, after that second round where Oliveira just smashed him on the ground, looked absolutely petrified going into the third and just wanted no part of that ground game of uh, Oliveira's. Oliveira's going to take that confidence of dominating those two guys into this fight and know that if he can do that to Gaethje and win a round off of him, that Gaethje then is probably going to be a little bit more hesitant in what he throws back at him. Um, I'm I'm sure you probably see that the same way, no? Absolutely, Joe. Absolutely. Um, no, I, I think if that moment comes, it's really you know if Oliveira is able to get into a position where he's on top on the ground, I think I think fight is over. Not necessarily at that moment, but as you say, mm. uh, then the fear, like the danger that that uh, implies for Gaethje going forwards, it will be too much for him to, to maintain his, his you know, aggressive, offensive style, given that he'll know mm. once he's down, he's not coming back up. So, And also, think about this as well, is that take the Chandler fight and the Poirier fight. Those two guys battered Oliveira. Like, Poirier battered Oliveira in that first round, yep. and Oliveira was still there coming back, and he won that second round. And there's just he just takes that confidence of this guy's got nothing for me on the ground. Like when it comes to, to submission and grappling, this guy doesn't have anything for me on the ground. There's very few guys that will have anything for him down there. And I think that's something that's 
will be difficult for Gaethje to potentially overcome. But what Gaethje can offer is just relentless, heavy damage coming back for probably five rounds. We're talking about leg kicks that are just absolutely barbaric. Like, even from the clinch position, he's throwing, like, leg kicks. We're talking these... He has kind of, like, a bit of a weird hook. I don't know. Have you ever noticed about Gaethje, about his hooks? Definitely. You can see them in the video. I don't know if you've seen the countdown the UFC put out, but you can see uh, Gaethje working those slightly. slightly Yeah, he's... Slightly funky. Yeah, they come from, like, a weird sort of, like, low angle. And it's almost like he hits them with, like, the sort of... The sort of, I don't know how to describe it, but other than like the heel of like the palm, like, oh, you know, where it sort of joins at the wrist, mm-hmm. like it's kind of almost like a bit of like a slap that yeah. he sort of throws. Yeah. Um, and he throws it at kind of like a kind of looping way, which would leave him open to a counter. But um, Gaethje has such faith in his chin, uh, which he's almost right to have at this point, considering the damage and the power that he has absorbed. Um, at least in one-shot moments, that he could probably walk through what Oliveira can throw in a single moment. It's whether he could take an accumulation of damage off of Oliveira on the feet um, that I would probably be hesitant for him to, well, to think and, about. And this is where we really need to talk about the evolution of Charles Oliveira on the feet. Um, now, mm. th- now, I don't know what happened when he dyed his hair blonde, Joe. But, <laughs> but that is, you know, that is a mythical fighter right there. Incidentally, yeah. it does appear that he's dropped the blonde look going in. I hope that's not a bad omen for Has he? Yeah, I, yeah. Have you, have you? Did you see the countdown? No, no, no. I, I haven't watched any of the yeah, countdown right, stuff, well, which I'm a little is, bit. This is one for you and the and the listeners listeners of this before um, Saturday night. There is a fantastic uh, bit of footage of Oliveira going into the fight with Poirier. This is a bit of an uh, aside mm. here, but I think it's worth noting because you should really go out there and watch this, everybody. Um, where, yeah, basically you're looking at footage of Poirier as the champion waiting, the fact that everyone's overlooked mm. overlooked Charles, the fact that then Charles had the bad first round, um, and then obviously going on to win the fight and really uh, being a symbol for for those who have been counted out, for those who have been lost, for the people, you know, you know we, we know Charles' story mm. coming from the Vavella, I think being quite sickly as a child. Um, and the, the the thing is, you know, Charles Oliveira, he's kind of, he's always been there and suddenly mm. he was on a seven fight win streak. And then it was really, I think, Kevin Lee, the fight back in 2020, where it, it emerged, he was, he was, he was bigger, he was more confident and he had developed quite the kicking game of his own. Um, quite mm. flashy, quite varied on the feet, very hard to know what's coming. Elbows. Um, spinning back yeah. this Re- really, really diverse striking game, and he-, he seems to have a lot more size to him now. You can really see people reacting when he hits them. Where- whereas his well, reputation um, previously was as someone who, you know, it, like he was very one-dimensional in that you know he could kind of he, play on the feet, but it was all about the ground game. Yeah. I think he's a bit more than that now. Well, remember also he was a featherweight when he first came into the UFC, and I think that that cut was too much for him. And then he obviously moved up to 155 because the cut was too hard, but he hadn't really filled out for the division. And going back to that offense where you're talking about like the kick variation and the elbows and whatnot, kind of reminds me a little bit of John Jones in that sense that he doesn't throw a huge amount of combinations. He throws a lot of single shots, maybe a second following up, but it's kind of there's not really a pattern to it. It's like 
you know, he throws this and then he throws that. He's kind of like trying to like throw you off with like the fact that he doesn't have a rhythm is his rhythm, if that makes sense. And it's that variety that I think will cause Gaethje problems. Whereas with Gaethje, we kind of know what his tools are. You know, it is a sort of solid one-two down the middle. It's the heavy leg kicks, and it's the and it's the hooks coming in at sort of wonky angles. Yeah. Um, I think Oliveira is. Would you say Oliveira is the? I mean, he's more well-rounded than Gaethje. Oh, certainly. I, I think that's beyond question. Mm. And do you think also? I was thinking about this. Is he also the? I mean, maybe currently, but maybe the most disrespected UFC champion in a long time really I think I think he had I'm trying been. to think of someone I definitely had been uh but that, I think that narrative has now changed and I think mm. he changed that himself with the way he put Poirier away last time for sure for sure should we lay our predictions down online because we've gone uh we've gone deep on this, uh, I'm, this I'm, I'm really passionate about Charles Oliveira now Joe uh I've admired him for a long time he's always created interesting fights and now this is a man on a 10 fight streak he is the champion and he will be the champion after saturday night when he submits gaichi uh that's a a big big show um i I don't want this to come across as that this we're sort of anti-justin gaichi here because i think we both agree that he's maybe the most entertaining fighter in the ufc um, and yeah, Charles's narrative is obviously a lot more intoxicating to us. Of course, it is going to be. Um, I think it will come down to that thing of can Oliveira get a finish on the ground? And if he can't, what will those rounds three, four, and five look like? Will Charles have that dog in him to keep going? Yes, he will. And yes, for me, Tom. Yes, he will. For me, Tom, he will have that in him. And also, I don't think it's going to get that far. I've got Charles Oliveira by submission in this main event. I think he will finish Justin Gaethje. And once he gets him to the ground, he may not finish him the first time he gets him to the ground. But that confidence that will come from knowing that Gaethje is nowhere near on his level on the ground is what's going to force... Uh, it's going to well, feed into Oliveira's confidence to finish him. Before we get into the next fight, Nami Yunus versus Aspaz, I just want to bring to the listeners' attention the fact that Joe Greenwood, my co-host, he picked... Poirier lost the belt, mm. picked Poirier against Charles. I called the submission. It was a contrarian pick at the time. And look who's turned around on me. Welcome. Welcome, Joe. Who who, who voted uh, uh, Charles Oliveira as the fighter of the year, me or you? <laughs> I don't want to get into the weeds. That was me. Joey. I don't want to get... <laughs> Let's go on to the co-main event of Rose Namajunas versus Carlo Esparza. And... We'll get to Carlos Barza in a moment, but Tom, if Rose Namajunas wins on Saturday, where does she rank in the greatest women's fighter of all time sort of uh, debate? Wow. Uh, we're, so we're not just talking here at her weight class straw weight, we're talking across divisions. I, I mean, I think the divi- I think the division is up for debate, but I also think when you get to that level of a di- if the division, you should end up going into that sort of best of all time sort of debate as well I think uh, given that two I mean I don't want to start knocking Rose here but given that 
her title run now does include two split decision wins, last time out against Zhang Weili. I did think she won that fight, but it was razor close. And, of course, then the second fight with Andrade, but I, which I did think she won. Um, I, I, I just I compare her record... Yun Jacek is, is the one you're thinking of. Uh, the second title fight with Yun Jacek. Or was it the Andrade fight, the, the three-rounder that you Yeah, the, sorry, sir. Yeah, uh, Andrade, she fought Andrade again, you know, after that she lost to the slam in the second fight. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I think it went to split decision. I could be getting that wrong. Yes, you're right. Sorry, you're right. Absolutely my mistake. But that wasn't a title fight. I just want that. No. That slight correction for the listeners. Sorry. Sorry, Tom. Yeah. My mistake. You know, you're right. For interrupting. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, so... I mean, that only furthers my point. A, a lady here with, well, one one defense of the belt in her current run. Mm. Um, it's, you know, you can't match her record record against Rousey or Nunes or, um, mm. or Shevchenko. Cyborg or... Or Cyborg. Or... Or maybe Ioana. Yeah, yeah, or Yenjejek, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think there's this is kind of a problem again with combat sports in general is that when someone gets onto a decent run, the desire to talk about greatest of all time becomes uh, I don't know it, it becomes a bit of an easy lazy debate to fall into, and for me I think the idea of debunking Rose's place in there is it's not necessarily important to me, but I think it's I wish more people would think with a bit more clarity on these on these topics because we're talking about someone as you say with one successful title defense um against Zhang then she had in her Which first range she had decision. one successful title yeah and then she had and I had it Zhang Weili winning that <laughs> then uh she also had in her first defense the rematch against Yan Chechik which she won uh which I think again was a split decision and then losing to Andrade by the slam I think that Rose is such a fan favourite that people are willing to look past that and I don't think that's fair to her personally. I think that she should be held to a slightly higher standard if you are going to be considered one of the best of all time. And a part of that is making your resume undeniable and beating someone like Carla Esparza is a part of that. Joe, I mean, this conversation is kind of absurd. Given those split decisions, given that her record overall is 11-4, and including losses to... Carolina Kovacevic, oh, yes, Tisha Torres, and Carla Esparza, um, who I think we should shine our light on now. Carla, Carla she's really built herself back up, um, having lost the belt. Um, what would you say about yeah. her in her last five fights? Has she turned a corner? She's definitely turned a corner. She's She's made herself a lot more... I don't know how to really describe it, but just more brutal i guess i mean she she like she's she's really lent more into the grappling and the wrestling and has accepted that side of her as that is the best skill that she has and you saw that in the uh, yan Zhao nan fight the last one um that that win that she had over her where she just absolutely mauled her on the ground um and you saw that in the Rodriguez win, which again was a split decision win. Um, saw that in the win over Waterson as well. Um, you've seen her sort of lean into that a bit more. And I think that that's obviously what she's going to go for here against Rose. But whereas Rose is obviously the superior fighter on the feet. I think me and you can sort of easily agree on that. Um, it's, I, 
I'm wondering where Esparza finds the entry points to take Rose down. That that's that's the main question I have of her going into this fight. Well, it wasn't and a big honest, issue for I'm her when they struggling. both came into the sport, of course, Carla. And a, that's true. Be, that's be true. But this comfortable, was... you know, that was for the inaugural belt. Just just for those not in the know there. Uh, when they were went about creating yeah. the strawweight division, they had an ultimate fighter, with the winner being crowned champ. Uh, Rose was the young mm. up and comer, and Carla was the collegiate wrestler. Uh, mm. They matched up in the final, and in the end, Carla Esparza kind of ran through her. Really, yeah. It was it was a simple. It was an easy win for her. Um, before then, losing to Janjacek. Um, who then went on her six-fight win streak? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it it wasn't. I think it both at that time for both of them in their careers. I don't think it's a really fair fight to bring up in a way. I mean, that was eight years ago. That fight. What the? the no, sorry, just under eight years ago. The re- the reason I bring it up, Joe, is since then, who has Rose fought with that same tier, the same level of wrestling? Jessica Andrade. I'm not sure. Not really. Michelle Watson, absolutely not. Yadrin Zajac, no. Torres, no. Zhang Weili, no. So I wonder if that is still a big weakness in Rose's game. Mm. That is a, that's an interesting point, actually, that I guess she hasn't had that um, uh, experience in there. And actually, thinking about her last few fights, actually, it was Zhang that took her down mm-hmm. in the last fight. And I think that that's what led to her win. Obviously, Zhang was training with Henry Cejudo for that fight. Um, and our boy, uh, Captain uh, Eric Albacien, <laughs> um, big fan of him, that's on the pod. leader on the pod. Uh, yeah, for sure. Thought leader. Uh, I, yeah, I do think Rose, though, has advanced personally quite a bit. And I think that she's a lot slicker on the feet. And I think she probably will end up tagging Esparza quite a lot. And here's my prediction, Tom. I'm going to put it out there that Rose is going to end this fight in the uh, second round <sighs> with a uh, KO slash TKO. No way. Oh, my God. You drunk, yeah, you way. drunk the Kool-Aid, Joe. Who's, which Twitter feed have you been reading? The GOAT the goat comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Absolutely not. I, honest, I, I think I could see it being that Esparza goes for these takedowns. Rose... Uh, it's able to sort of like get out of range, and I could see a spars sort yeah, of like end up throwing his takedown quite way away. You, you've shocked me. I, and, and well, I've got to win this belt back, and I've got to I've got to throw these things out <laughs> there. This is tilt. This is a man who hasn't tasted, hasn't held the belt aloft for a for a few months now. That's a, that's a wild call. Uh, might I just add for the listeners before I give my prediction, just to underline how outrageous what Joe is saying here. Uh, I, I think I mm. shared with you just the other day, Joe. We've had one knockout in female MMA, in women's MMA, uh, mm. this year. I know. One. I know, and the next the next one's happening <laughs> on uh, on Saturday. That's, that's what I'm so telling you. So get your money out, and uh, you can upgrade, upgrade, I don't know, something on the pod with your winnings there, because you will get a lot if you pick that. <laughs> um, I, fortunately, speak for the rational side... The brain of hold on, I'm talking, brother. And mm. um, I've, I mean, I'm not sure about this, but I'm. It's fine. I've got a free. I've got a free pass after after that call from you, Joe. I've gone for a Nami Yunus decision, 
but I, I really think, Fair I enough. think the bet the bet here for for anybody listening, uh, I think interesting odds there on on the Sparza win. I, I think she's probably actually slightly stronger than the underdog she's being made out to be. But oh, I would I would put my money on a I put my my money on a Sparza win if I wasn't going for Namunas by uh, by knockout. But yeah, it was uh, if you hadn't lost no, as a gambling your mind, man. Yeah. No, I, 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 honestly, I can see the logic here. Right, let's talk about this. Is this the people's main event, Tom? Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson, a man that me and you both adore to the point that we started a podcast and actually named it after him. Those immortal words. Um, the, the, the words that ended Vadun's career in the UFC. <laughs> Where are you now, Fabricio? Not, not yeah, to... Fabrizio said he's going to box recently, but I was just like, please don't. Um, make it happen. Please After don't. Tony takes it, takes out Chandler, let's make it happen. Oh my God. Uh, do you know what my favourite part of that video is? Is like, obviously it's Holden I'm talking, brother, when he interrupts him. But there's also a bit where Vadum starts like, he continues to insult him in like, Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, Spanish, Portuguese. Portuguese or Spanish. Yeah. And you know what I'm talking... Yeah, and then Ferguson's just like, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. And then, like, literally three seconds later, he stands up and says, like, say that again to my face. <laughs> so, Brilliant. Uh, we've already Absolutely. given the listeners quite the watch the watch list for after the pod, but you want to get on uh, to YouTube yeah. because there is a 360 camera on the table. I don't know if you know about this, know about this Joe, but yeah, you yeah. can see the reaction so of good. the whole camera crew, everyone, uh, in the amongst of this showdown yeah. between... Tony and Fabricio, but it's not Fabricio Tony's fighting tonight, uh, Saturday night. That is, I think. Uh, although I do think he's always fighting that fight with Fabricio at some on some level. Th- this weekend is going to be uh, <laughs> Michael Chandler. Both men coming off a lot of losses here, Joe. Um, but it's a little bit different for Tony, isn't it? For sure, uh, I think the last three fights have been comprehensive dominations to the point of actually being a bit uncomfortable watching them Um, I know that Tony has had, particularly for the Charles fight, he had a bit of a a, did you ever hear about his fight camp for that Charles Oliveira fight? Uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure He didn't have one and all he did was he did a bit of grappling, he did a bit of jujitsu before going out and that was it before he fought Oliveira and it's just I, I don't know what's going on with Tony when he did that. Joe, 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 ha, is... Have you seen what's going on with Tony now? Let me just jump in there. Yeah, actually, yeah, actually I, I, I have. Um, do you want me to read the quotes about what he said? Please. So at the the last time was it the last time you fought when it was Oliveira Chandler for the title? Ferguson fought Dariush in the co-main event. Mm. Three round demolition, and he said that Michael Chandler is getting that. Yeah, Michael Chandler's getting that that Dana White privilege, uh, which is very funny. A great quote, and then that was brought up to him this week, and he said, "Stoneface." He said, "I don't think that shit is very funny. <laughs> you do, maybe. You do, maybe. I don't think it's very funny. Everybody's looking at it. They're smiling and laughing, but nobody's saying shit. I'm the one up here with Dana Brown privilege, or whatever the fuck you want to call it." I don't think it's very funny anymore. I don't think you should think that that's very funny. So I'm taking this weekend very fucking seriously. So I'll kick this Dana White boy's ass. 
Um, he then went on to pr- proceed to call the UFC. He called the UFC drug dealers, um, and said that we're all underpaid. Uh, I'm not going to say too much. Dana said something the other day. It's on my phone. I think it's from MMA Fighting, actually. We posted it, talking about how boxers being overpaid. I asked Dana to box. He said, fuck no. I'm like, why? I want to go play baseball. I want to go do other pro sports. I'm an athlete. I grew up doing different pro sports at a very high level. I won a state championship in football. We were 27-1. and won. I came from Grand Valley State University as a wrestler. I want to go do wrestling. I've got Uncle Brock. That's right there watching me. I want to go do all these couple things, but I have this guy right here acting like a fucking drug dealer telling me I can't do this shit. I want to go make more money for my family. Tom, are you as worried as I am about Tony Ferguson at the age of 38 talking about wanting to go out and make money? Joe, yes, I am. And uh, I can give a little insight into these quotes. And again, I have to refer you to the countdown. You really got, got to go in there and watch that because they interview Tony. And I, I, the camera pans to him after discussing his change in training camp. He's locked in this dark, like, chamber with with just a wrestling coach. The guy who coached him back at high school, who he's found, poor right. guy had retired. Tony's trapped him in this basement <laughs> with him. Just dragged him out, <laughs> dragged him to his fucking basement. You know, I, I think he's kidnapped Brilliant. the guy, and honestly, Tony's got the darkest patches under his eyes, and it turns out he's training all night, like through the night. Just like non-stop. I'm not joking, Joe. Uh, I mean, non-stop. The man looks absolutely terrifying. Uh, Not to the point necessarily that you worry for Chandler, but you really, you worry for Tony if he loses this fight. You worry for Tony, you worry for his wife, and you worry for his children. Now, those are some dark notes there, but it's absolutely terrifying, Joe. You need to go and watch this again after the pod. I, I will go watch it. I mean, we don't need to go into Tony Ferguson's history of uh, mental health problems. He had the you know, the issues with his wife as well, well which she seemed was, to have been reconciled. Yeah. Well, she was being a witch. Well, yeah, he accused her of being a witch. And you do worry about these guys starting to feel the effects of CTE, uh, particularly a guy like Tony who relied on his chin so heavily to tire people out basically and then he fought Justin Gaethje and I think we forget something about the Tony Ferguson timeline of course he was supposed to fight Khabib and then he he's split his knee in half basically standing on a cable at Fox News uh, Fox uh, Sports Studio uh, TV studio and um, proceeded to an injury that was supposed to put him out for a year and he was back five months later insane you know, fighting Anthony Pettis in an absolute war, and then he fought Donald Cerrone, and then it was just a, it was just a, an output that was just ungodly. It was, and I do think that coming back from that at that time was probably a part of his downfall. You know, the fact that his body didn't properly recover. He didn't properly recover. He thought that he could just power through it, and he did. And he put on a good performance against Pettis, but you know, this isn't. This wasn't peak Pettis, and I think that that's done a lot of damage to him, probably. 
Joe, I think we should give a little bit of attention to Michael Chandler, a man who's coming off some losses of his own. Yeah. Yeah, two losses, but they're two very different losses. One to Justin Gaethje, which they obviously share in common, but one in which he really had Gaethje in a lot of lot of trouble in the first round. Before then, Gaethje obviously making the corrections and then really putting him on him in the second and third round. And then almost winning the lightweight title against Oliveira earlier last year. Almost a year ago, actually, to the day. Um, as well as beating Dan Hooker in his first fight in the UFC. Joe, I think those losses aren't as bad Joe, as those first losses. Let the listeners know the truth now. You yeah. love Michael Chandler. I do love Michael Chandler. I think he's Can great. Can you just remind I just, us I why? just feel hyped. I feel hyped. Why do I like Michael Chandler? Yeah. To, well, it's more than because, like. Because, Come on. He's a weird little muscle dwarf <laughs> who is here for a good time, not a long time, brother. And I, I, I don't know, man. I just I love his fight style. Are you are you implying something? I, I don't no, understand. No, I'm like, implying what, nothing. What's, what's... I'm implying nothing. I just think it's only fair that the listeners know how much you love this man, just so they can appreciate the angle do... you're coming from. I think also there's. You know, having watched him in Bellator and seeing him in some of those fights in Bellator against, you know, Eddie Alvarez, where it was just like absolutely carnage. And, you know, it, having seen him do it on that scale and then finally get the big spot in the UFC and deliver, even in losses delivering, it's, I, I don't know, there's something heartening about it to see a guy at, towards the end of his career still showing that he has a lot left to give and putting on the best performances possible. I, no, I love I, it personally, I, and I love let, his style. Let, let, you me know. Just, let me just add right here. Uh, I didn't follow much of Michael Chandler's career. I knew how excited you were about him coming to the UFC, and for sure, he's been a great, great addition. Mm. Um, a great addition at lightweight to to the premier division in the UFC. It may not be the deepest, but it is definitely the premier division. I, I, I think, I, I, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, I very much look forward to his next fights. Um, there's not. I have nothing negative to say about um, Chandler's introduction to the division. I did find it interesting his comments coming in here to this fight now. As you said, coming off his loss to Gaethje, he was very frustrated. He he felt like he had let kind of the adrenaline and the moment get the better of him. He seemed to be reveling in that on the night itself mm. back in November. Uh, you know, really enjoying the roar yeah. of the crowd. Um, but he, he said, you know, he wasn't able to hear any of his coaches. Uh, he didn't understand any of the any of the instructions he was being given. It, what? Yeah, Joe, Joe, what I want to know from you is how does Chandler win this fight if he is to win it? So Michael Chandler's quite, got quite a long sort of um, almost like karate stance. You know, he leaves his left leg out there to sort of be tagged with low leg kicks which is something that Ferguson can do problem is is that whenever Tony Ferguson throws a low leg kick his head is on the centre line and it is just there for Michael Chandler to take a big old swipe at Michael Chandler doesn't have a lot of tools he's got a he's got a he's got a jab to the body he's got a a jab and a hook to the body and then he's got a big left right down the middle um aiming straight for that chin. That's kind of what he has. He has good wrestling that he doesn't really use that much because he wants to swang and bang. 
whereas Tony Ferguson has that sort of more variety to his game that really he only taps into every now and again. Um, I think I think Chandler might set trap for Ferguson of leaving his leg out there to be swiped out so that he can then come straight down the middle with a jab right hand. So um, it sounds pretty safe for me Ferguson. to assume that you're going to pick uh, your boy Michael Chandler in this fight. He's not my boy, for one. And he's not my boy over Tony Ferguson. But I am picking Michael Chandler, and I'm picking him by knockout. Wow. The end for Tony. Yeah. Uh, the end of him is a ranked guy. Yeah. Um, I, my logic for this is, is that I think Chandler, even in those losses, didn't look anywhere near as bad as Ferguson has done. And... The thing about those Ferguson losses, when he lost to Gaethje, Oliveira, and Dariush, and even particularly the Dariush one, he was never in it. He was never in those fights. It wasn't like he lost it. It was just like, you know what? He gave it everything, and he just came up short. And you're like, he just lost to the better guy on that night. He lost to the younger guy. He was losing to guys who, in the past, he wouldn't have lost to. And Michael Chandler, he... May have taken a bit of a beating off of Gaethje, but he didn't take a 20-minute beating off of Gaethje. You know, he didn't... He gave Gaethje a lot of problems. And I just think this is the end for Ferguson. 38 years old at £155. That's not a good combination. Yeah. Very hard to argue with any of those points there. Um, what, you, what have you gone for, Tom? Break Joe, I've picked Tony Ferguson to win the fight. <laughs> I've picked Tony Ferguson... To win by decision. He's going to out uh, outstrike Michael Chandler. Uh, it's not going to go to the mat. And Tony's going to beat him on volume. Really? So you think Tony's going to turn it back with his cardio, get that back going, and put it on So I, I don't think Chandler will be able to uh, take Tony down. And I don't necessarily think he will try to take Tony down full, full-heartedly. Uh, he did try to take hmm. Gaethje down. Gaethje was taken down very easily by Khabib um, and Gaethje was able to sprawl quite comfortably and, and keep the fight standing. I'm thinking Tony will manage the same. He has this very similar pedigree in wrestling. He's been training with his coach and I think that Tony mm. will, will beat him on the feet. Yeah. And I, I on top of that, I think I Tony think... might even mix in some takedowns of his own. So viva Tony Ferguson. I think you've done this on a nostalgic pick, to be honest. And uh, I, I totally get it, and I would have done the same thing if it wasn't Michael Chandler, who has looked as good as he has in the UFC. And as Tony hasn't looked as bad as he has in his losses. Right, um, should we talk about these two fights um, kind of joined together here? A bunch of old boys getting down and Are dirty you excited earlier on this card. OSP versus Shogun Hua. What sh- not really, no. Um, Shogun Hua should not be fighting. Uh, I, th- I think we can agree with that. The question came up uh, this week. Did Shogun Hua have the greatest year uh, in the history of MMA in, in, um, when he won the Pride Middleweight Grand Prix? This is 2006. And there's a debate about that. And it was just like, oh, yeah, that's a really good debate. That was 2005. Uh, 2005. He shouldn't be fighting now. He should not be fighting now. Um, 
this is all I can get from it. I don't even think Ovin St. Prue should really be fighting anymore, to be honest with you. Um, uh, these are two guys that... Are, well, what are they getting from this now? Like, how much more are they get, are they, can they really get from this career now? Yeah. Like, am, I, am, I, am I being an arsehole? Like, I feel like this is... Um... Are we speaking also now for Donald Cerrone and Joe Love's home? The, the fight after that? Yeah, yeah, I think this is a similar so, thing for well, Cerrone Joe and Love's home. Where do we draw the line here? Is it the same truth for Matt Brown, Carlos Condit, Nate Diaz? Carlos Condit has retired now, but but Matt Brown, Matt Brown is still showing signs of... Matt Brown and Jim Miller, they show signs that they've still got something to give. These guys have shown nothing... They've shown nothing. Uh, can I just give you my OSP Shogun? I think I think you should. Time? I think you should. Yeah. OSP by decision. Yeah, I've picked OSP by decision as well. <laughs> as well, uninspired. And then should we? Should, and then Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon. Yeah. I pick. I pick, I pick Cowboy uh, by decision, pick, but purely by the fact that Joe's Lozon. Oh no, no, I picked Cowboy by decision as well. Uh, uh, we're talking about guys here who I question their motivation for fighting. I mean, Lozon has said that he only came back for this fight because it was the only thing that interested him. So he doesn't really need to fight. Fair enough. That's all right. Completely get that. Cerrone is on a six-fight losing streak. And his last fight, was he lost to Alex Morono, a guy who he would never have lost yeah, to definitely. five, six years ago. And he got finished in the first round yeah. by him. I'm sorry, mate, but you should, I, both of these fights should be loser leaves town, and actually the winner should leave town as well. Like it, it, these, these fights should just not be happening. Sorry, I've really put a dampener on the end of uh, on the end of the these predictions. Well, for the listeners still, um, us, that will definitely put them to bed. I mean, Joe, you, you, you're right. I, I can't, I, I can't say anything. I, I, I guess my one comment would be like, I don't mind. The UFC, you know, letting the legends have a run out every now and again, like absolutely I, I agree. Like, like I don't absolutely agree. But you know, maybe only only one set of in quotation marks legends per main card, if any. Maybe give them a prelim. You know, like it. It, it really. It's not. It's not main card stuff. It's not UFC. Charles Dubronx well, versus Gaethje. There's a fight on the prelims. Don't, there's a there's a fight on the prelims that I'm like that should be on the main card, which we'll get to in a moment. But like, okay, yeah, these these two fights are ideal for all four of these competitors. You know, they've lined them up perfectly. <sighs> Ultimately, though, I don't really want to talk no. about these fights. There's nothing really no, for me I don't to buy. What, what, what's Donald Cerrone? Is Donald Cerrone's going to start throwing. Yeah, is he going to th- throw some fucking Imanari rolls? No, he's not going to do that. Like he's you know. It's, they are going to be what they are. It's like recently Dan Hardy's announced he's come back and he's got a fight against Diego Sanchez in an oh exhibition God. boxing match. And it's like, yeah, fine, lads, make your money. That's fine. I'm cool with that. But, like, do it in a place where I don't really have to see it and the people who really want to see it can watch it. I mean, by the way, that's on an undercard of a Ricky Hatton, Juan Antonio Barrera exhibition fight. Like this is it's pretty bleak going, and, and I know combat sports can be like that, but this is shouldn't be in the UFC. That's for sure. Um, shouldn't be in the UFC. Let, let's let's um, do, go on. Should we run? Should we run through the predictions just quickly so that we've got? Um, yeah. Well, f- first let's just 
so, so, so defending so, champion. That, that's uh, that's me. <laughs> and yeah, I long, picked uh, Donald Cerrone to win by decision in the first fight of the evening. I, yeah, so did I. I picked OSP to beat Shogun Hua by decision um, in the next fight. I picked uh, Michael Chandler to knock out Tony Ferguson in the uh, in the uh, third fight of the but night. You did acknowledge that you were corrupted by love, and I picked. Ferguson to win by decision. Also corrupted by my own kind of love for Tony. Yeah. Rosnama Yunus, I've picked by, uh, to win by knockout over Carlos Esparza. I can't believe that, and I gladly will take the points for a Rosnama Yunus decision or loss. I still... I can't believe you picked Tony Ferguson, to be honest. And then we both picked Charles Oliveira to submit Justin Gaethje in It the all main comes down to Tony Ferguson, baby. Rest in peace. Uh, prelims. Is there anything on the prelims that you? Well, you mentioned in? one fight that you would like to see on the main card. Um, I'm thinking that's yes. probably Randy Brown and and Chaos Williams, but of course it could be the flyweight matchup between Brandon Royval and Matt Schnell. I just feel like Matt Schnell isn't. Is it? You got I mean, it. I just feel like Matt Schnell isn't. It still isn't quite in the main card. Uh, that's more. Uh, is, tell me, that's more fun. That's not more fun, sorry, I should say, than OSP versus Shogun. Oh, for sure. Well, then there we go. Also, Trinaldo versus Danny Roberts, I'd rather that on the main card than Cerrone versus Lozon. I mean, how low low can we go? I do like a bit of of Trinaldo. What about Ivanov? What about Blagoy? What about the slug? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Remember what Derek Lewis said about him? After he, Derek Lewis said after he fought Ivanov, he said like, "Yeah, I was just trying to punch him in that pussy that's on his chest." <laughs> this Blagoy Ivanov has had been stabbed. Like he has a stab wound in his chest. And Derek, I love you. Uh, Andre Filiao, he's back against Cameron Van Camp. He beat he beat our boy Baeza. Yeah, I haven't I haven't he's, seen uh, that fight. That was uh, recently one of the fight nights uh, during the blackout period for Holden and Tommy. Yeah, Bobby. it was good. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really get too hard for uh, uh, what was that Andrage fight against that woman? Yeah, that was good. Uh, right. Anyway, <laughs> all right. This is falling off the tracks. So let's talk about some. Should we talk about the news just let's quickly before that, we wrap yeah. this up? The news. I'm going to give you the breaking news, Tom. A big fight announced for July. The trilogy. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway is set for July this year. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you? I'm going to guess uh, it's below no, 5. No, 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 no. I will go... Uh, I mean, I do love Max, Joe. I do love Max. And Volkanovsky was amazing in his last showing. I don't... We spoke about this on record yeah. on the pod before. I would like to see it more diversified. I do think Max could fight somebody else um, I'm going to say I'm a 6 out of 10 for that I'm at, a, I'm at a 7 right now, probably at the time it'll probably be a yeah, bit I think I, I do walk out yeah, and face yeah, each other Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're both up there amongst the best the division has had so, to see them go at it one more time I think, I think yeah, it's the yeah. I, 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 I think don't know how else nobody else has really made a case for it um, recently 
No, no, they haven't really had the time even. You know, Volkanovski obviously wants to stay active. The lightweight division hasn't really opened up for him in the way that he wanted it to, uh, (laughs) i.e. Conor McGregor. Uh, So might as well fight Holloway again. Um, Right, looks like a co-main event has been set for UFC London. Main event is going to be Tom Aspinall versus Curtis Blades. Awooga, what a fight that is. And thankfully... Aspinall in the main event has saved us from a Darren Till main event, but sadly he's going to be in the co-main against uh, Jack Hermanson. Um, I feel like they could have made a better fight there, Joe. Much to say about that. Is Hermanson the first guy you would think of to match up with Till as a co-main in London? I'd say someone like Sean Strickland, Strickland, ideally. that would be nice. I would like that. I think Till could win that fight and everyone could be happy about it. Vittori? Vittori? just well, for the trash yeah, talk. Yeah, for the trash talk. I mean, they already had that moment where Vittori was asking for a bit of attention on, on Twitter from Till. Have you seen this? And he was like, make one of your memes about me. No. Oh, and, uh, yeah, no, um, that sounds <laughs> I mean, and Till, like, uh, he cuts one of the heads off of the orcs from Lord of the Rings. One of the biggest, <laughs> <laughs> you know, within a few minutes of this. And uh, it just it was hard to Brilliant. distinguish that man from Vittori, so it was it was great, great moment. Good stuff. Have you seen Paolo Costa's Twitter? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's been some uh, up and down activity on there. Well, I can't remember what the last one was. He um he posted a picture. So there's a picture of Pat Barry with Rose Namajunas. Obviously, there's some slightly dodgy stuff about their relationship that we don't want to go into. Um, and Paolo Costa posted a picture of that, but he photoshopped Dana White's head onto Pat Barry. Um, and then he posted, he deleted that because then he also posted a DM yeah, yeah, he got I from Dana that. White saying, "Delete that, you, delete that, you fucking goof." <laughs> Love me some Costa. He's trying to get out of his contract. He's got one more fight, and he just wants to fight really? and get out of his contract. It's, it's not looking good for the UFC. No, it's not looking good. Uh, by the way, actually, Paolo Costa does have a fight set for August um, to get out of his contract. Luke Rockhold. Wow. That sounds good. I'm, 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 yeah. I like the sound of that. That does sound good. Yeah, I'm an yeah, immediate, me too. immediate AI, And then last of all, we've got... <laughs> so handsome. Most handsome yeah. guy in the UFC. <laughs> That's what we're going to find out. And then main event, or not main event, a heavyweight fight set. Cyril Garner's going to take on Tai oh Tuivasa. Uh, now talk about body collide, matchups. Yeah. Stylistic. And uh, yes, body matchup, as you say. Wow. That's, I mean, how far young Tai. Bit vile, isn't it? He's reached, you mm. know, he's now French, French etiquette, French style. Now. If Tui Vassa knocks out Cyril How do you Garner, say Shui in French? <laughs> Le Shui? Uh, Le Shui? Uh, yeah, exactly. I... Yeah, I don't know what... what I, do. <laughs> I think I probably actually would just... Com- I, think, I think I would just self... I think I'd just immediately self-immolate without even, <laughs> like, trying to do anything. I think I would just honestly just explode. Absolutely. Um... I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, listeners, we're rambling. We're just saying stuff that we like the sound of now. Um, listeners, thank you so much for joining us uh, for our preview of UFC 274. I'm sorry we've been away, uh, but, you know, life gets in the way of uh, these things every now and again. 
Well, also, you know... As does technology. But we'll break that down I on the next wanna, episode. I just want to jump in there. You know, send your hate mail elsewhere, guys. Send it to the UFC. If they're going to put on <laughs> the trash that they've been serving to us over the course of April, you can't expect premium content. Yeah, you know what? That's right. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, if, you, yeah, exactly. if you want more... Yeah, fuck the UFC. Fuck brother, the listeners. You put the good stuff out there. None, none of this cowboy versus yeah, Joe exactly. Lowe's on out of retirement bullshit. <laughs> yeah yeah Andrade versus that woman that I can't remember and Andre Arlovsky co-main event no thank tragic. you <laughs> tragic indeed anyway Tom thank you so much for eventually joining me and uh, getting this podcast uh, my pleasure for listeners and listeners thank you so much <laughs> yes listeners we, we will actually be back next week where we'll talk about these uh, these fights these spectacular beautiful fights uh, Tom, yep. can't wait to talk to you. Ciao. Until uh, next time. Next week. Adopo. <laughs>